morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Coffee with Tea and I'm Tea, and we are here for our special edition on Mondays of Men Hurt Too. And I am so excited about this edition of Men Hurt Too because we really need to give our men a voice. And we have Purvis Taylor here to share his truth. So Purvis is an award-winning celebrity, life coach, speaker, and author of the critically acclaimed book, Survival Mode. It's a book that teaches men how to process their emotions. He is also co-founder of Alchemic Solutions, a program that teaches young men of color how to develop emotional intelligence. He has his master's degree in clinical psychology from Columbia University. Welcome, 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 Purvis. Thank you so much for having me, Trey. I appreciate it so much. I'm so excited for this right now. <laughs> we are dealing with, today we're gonna to talk about um, how black men deal with grief and depression. Yeah. And I know your book is all about helping men survive. First, I want you to tell me about the title of your book. Um, so I called it, so I called it um, Survival Mode because I wanted to take men from just surviving in their emotions and trauma to thriving. So I wanted this, bitch to, this book to be the bridge to take them from surviving to thriving. So that's why I called it, I just did a play on words of survival mode and made it survival mode. So I wanted them to get into the mode of thriving. I love, I love, 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 love that. So first I want to talk a little bit about your relationship with your parents because they're, mm -hmm. our parents really are our first blueprint before we learn how to navigate through life on our own and figure out that they didn't really have it all together. So just tell me a little bit about your relationship with your mom first and then your dad. Um, my mom is a very interesting, interesting woman. Very, you know, very lovely, very nice, but she was, she's not emotional. Um, she, she's never been a person who's displayed their emotions other than like, you know, anger or frustration. Um, but our relationship was good growing up. I think she understood me. I think she allowed me space to be myself, which I, I, I do give her, um, that respect. Um, she, I mean, we're great friends now cause I understand her and I have a little bit, I have empathy for her because I understood, um, her upbringing nice. and it took for that. It took me to understand her upbringing for me to really, really have like a deeper, deeper relationship with her. But she's always been kind, gracious. She's a giver um, and she's very wise. And I think the gift of coaching that I have is because of her, because I think she's a life coach as well. But um, yeah, I mean, she, she's, she's cool. I've only seen my mother cry, like I think maybe twice in my life. Wow. So like, yeah, so that, that gives you an indicator of like how she is just like Fort Knox. But I think that generation they had to have that that strong threshold because they were dealing with racism. She marched with Dr. King, you know what I mean? Like she grew up in that era. So they were just trying to survive and try to make it through this life rather than deal with their mental health issues, deal with their emotional issues. So I think that's something that she still, you know, she's still that way. Right, so how did that emotionally for you as a man already in society, already in life, men are taught, don't cry, be strong, get up. Yeah. Okay. How did that weigh on you to only see your mom cry one time? Because women, you know, we cry. Well, I, I, she let me cry. So, you know what I mean? It wasn't like she said, don't cry. She wasn't, it wasn't like she said, be a man, men do this, men do that. It wasn't that. It's just that I never saw her cry. Oh. I never saw her be emotional. So it wasn't that she, she siphoned off my, my emotional emoting. It's just that she never emoted. Oh, okay. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And what yeah. about your dad, your relationship with your dad? Um, I had a good relationship with my father. I mean, obviously, he um, he's a very complex person. He's very both and. Um, and what I mean by that is that I think he's very progressive. 
um, for that time of us growing up, like he always made sure that he told us that he loved us and that he kissed us on the cheek or he's very affectionate. He always hugged us up and things like that. He also, he too let me be emotional to a degree. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't like, um, son, you can't cry. He would ask me, why are you crying? So he would ask me as to why I'm expressing or feeling the emotions that I'm feeling. And there would be occasional times, you know, like if he was like on drugs or something like that, um, where he would be kind of like that typical um, toxic masculinity um, enriched father. Um, but I would say that he was very progressive um, in comparison to a lot of my other friends' fathers. Like my father was definitely present and available and very, you know, we, I had a great relationship with him. Okay, so you said he was on drug, except when he was yes. on drug. So your father had a drug problem. Yes, he ended up passing away from a heroin overdose. And, and, and here's the thing too, my father went to Vietnam, right? And, and so when he came back, I'm sure he had PTSD. You know, now that we're older and we can like kind of go over his behavior, really study his behavior, we think he was probably bipolar at the same time. So he was just medicating. So I, I look at it now is that he was self-medicating. And, you know, because at the time we didn't know, you know, they didn't know what that stuff was. We didn't have a definition for it or, or a name for it. So um, he was a functioning addict, wow. which is, I feel like the worst kind actually, because you don't know that they're high. You don't know that they're on drugs. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but, you know, he, he was my biggest fan. My father was my biggest fan. So, so we both and. Today, yeah, today we're talking about grief. Yes. So when you lost your father mm -hmm. to being a drug addict, which which doesn't weigh any different than him dying from any other disease. Right. Your process of grief, because we know that a lot of times as women, we could cry, we could do this, we could fall out and everybody's like, okay with it. What is the process of grief of losing a parent first from death? And mm -hmm. then what do you think the process is of losing a parent in a bad relationship? Um, so, you know, one thing I, uh, for me personally, or you in general? You personally. Okay. So I'll begin with this. So there's a thing called Kubler-Ross model, which takes the stages of grieving, which is the first stage is denial, then it's anger, then it's bargaining, then it's depression, then it's acceptance. So within that, when my father died, I was literally in denial for a long time. And um, I, suppressed, I suppressed every emotion that I was feeling because I had to go home and help with the funeral. Cause I'm my, I'm originally from Texas, from Dallas, Texas, and I was here in New York when he when he passed, and so I remember going back home, and it was just like this. It was surreal, and I remember telling my brothers and sister, like, um, "You better not cry." Mm. I told them I so I I took on that toxic masculinity um, identity and saying like thinking that you had to be strong because I wanted to appear strong for my family because. Um, I, you know, some of my cousins, they made fun of me growing up. And so I wanted to be like, really, really appear to be very, very strong. And even to my family, I wanted to appear strong. So I was, I told my brother and sister, don't cry. And, you know, I had my mother through the situation. I even said at the funeral, I don't want nobody crying or laying out because we're not having that. Wow. Cause he wasn't doing that when he was alive. Like, you know, just very, just very out of character for me. Right. And so, um, you know, we get through the funeral, you know, shed a couple of tears, not, not too much. Um, so I go back to New York and I'm thinking I'm good. And one day I am on subway, I'm on the train and I'm listening to some song. I think it was this song by TLC. Uh, I forgot the name of the song, but tables turn, it's called turntable. 
And it was just one line in the song, and literally, I just started bawling my eyes out on the on the New York subway. Fell on the floor on that dirty train. Oh, yeah, and cried my eyes out. And I think that was the beginning of me understanding that it's important to not suppress emotions. It's important to grieve. It's important to feel what it is you're feeling. And I had to rebrand what I thought being strong was. Mm. I had to rebrand my relationship with strength. And and so that was the beginning of my journey to the place that I'm at today. I love so that. So it was that experience, yeah. Wow, does unresolved grief lead to depression? Absolutely, it leads to many things. It leads to, um, one thing I always say is that a suppressed emotion is like energy. You know, energy never dies. That suppressed emotion never dies either. It just transforms. And so it shows up in so many areas of your life that you didn't think they would show up in. Typically, they show up in our relationships. Right. And, and so that, because really the thing that, that we're suppressing is the hurt and disappointment more than anything, because anger is so easy to harness. You know what I mean? But hurt isn't, especially for men. Hurt is, is, that's too much. But anger, we can do something with it. That's, that seems more powerful. And so, yes, to answer your question, yes, we, you can. You can, um, you can turn that, it can turn into depression and we don't even know it. And here's the thing too about black men. Black men are the only demographic. So here's why psychology is not an exact science. Black men are the only demographic that, that displayed symptoms of depression differently than any other demographic. Wow. Yeah. That is especially young men, especially young men. Wow. How does a man, so we have the whole Me Too movement for women. Yeah, yes. So how does a man grieve the loss of his innocence, whether he was too young or taken advantage of, or an older woman, or taken advantage of by an older woman or from molestation? How how do men grieve the loss of their innocence? Because we don't talk about this. Yeah, I mean. Just wants to have sex. Yeah, no, I, you know, so crazy. I've, I've had so many brothers as of late come to me and tell me that they were molested by their babysitter. Mm. And that, and, and these are brothers I grew up with. I was wondering why I was like, yo, they highly sexualized it. You know, like 12 years old was having sex doing something. I didn't realize that they were being molested by their babysitter or somebody in the family. You know what I mean? Um, how do you grieve that? It, those stages, right? But I think the, 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 easy, the, the thing is to honor our humanity, to say like, yo, I was taken advantage of, to acknowledge that we were taken advantage of and go through that process of, of identifying how it's affected our lives, right? right? Really saying like, yo, this has led me to this. This is why I'm here, but also accepting responsibility. So the acceptance component is very difficult for a lot of us because we feel like it is a conceding. It's like a weakness, but acceptance is really powerful because acceptance Acceptance says, I didn't want this to happen, but I'm still responsible for what happened. Right. You get what I'm saying? And so acceptance is the place that you actually grow from. When you say, I didn't want this to happen, but it did happen. And so now I, now I can build something. Now acceptance is the, is the thing that can build a bridge to take you to your next place. When you accept that the trauma has happened, when you accept what is done to your life and say, you know what, I'm still in control because life happens from me. So I'm able to create something now that I own this and I accept this and I acknowledge that this has happened. Now I can really, really go to a new place because now you're aware you can grieve. Because here's the thing about grieving, right? You don't grieve one time, right? It's a process. You know this. And it's like... But each time you go through that process of grieving, right, it gets easier and easier because now you know what to do. 
Right. And, and so it is it for men that I've worked with who have um who've dealt with molestation. I've dealt with molestation. Wow. The biggest thing is you do not take that thing on as an identity. You do not take the shame on as an identity. And so that's part of the acceptance. This is what happened to me, but this is not who I am. Wow. Whoa, that was just very, very powerful. Because a lot of times, like a, a babysitter molesting mm -hmm. a boy or um, an older woman coming on to a younger man, not necessarily mm -hmm. it wasn't consensual, but right. like we talked about earlier in the back end that a, 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 my son's brain is not even developed until 29. So yeah. an older woman, say 25, and a boy is 14 years old. Of course, to him, it might feel like a coming of age or whatever. Or mm -hmm. He gets to a certain age and realizes his innocence was taken away from him too soon. And if that grief is un, not dealt with properly, then it goes into like womanizing. Would you agree to that? Yeah, and it, and you can become a deviant. It it, it 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 so many things that can happen if we don't deal with it. Could be ruining relationships. It could be just simply that he feels empty all the time. He, you right. know what I mean? Like it could be simply he deals with low self esteem. It, like every time he sees with a woman, that's when he feels validated. So he has to keep sleeping with women to feel validated. You know what I mean? So it's so many areas and places that we can go within that because here's the thing: we all respond to trauma differently. Right. I love that. And not to talk yeah. about R. Kelly, but right. a lot of people were not happy with the way I responded to R. Kelly because yeah. I believe that R. My, my movement in the book that I wrote is Men Hurt Too. Mm -hmm. It's Men Hurt Too because I believe R. Kelly was molested by both deal, genders. Yeah. Right. And didn't deal with the grief. So, right. ungrief, you know, not dealing with grief, like you said, leads to adverse and poor behavior. So, this person yeah. dealing with grief from the time he was six years old. And yep. nobody protected him. He never got the help that he needed. So throwing him in jail, I just didn't think was the right thing. I felt like he needed to go into a mental institution maybe to get extensive help. And people were like, oh, this, that, and the other. So like I said, where is the Me Too movement for men? Because <laughs> we got some Me Too stories. There is no Me Too movement for men. That helps, right. oh, that helps women deal with the loss of their innocence. It helps them grieve their loss. Do you right. think that there needs to be a Me Too movement for men? Well, that I mean, are we prepared to have that conversation? Um, because right, you know, I look as a man, a black man. Well, but, well because the, that's the thing is like you know, I look at what happened to Terry Crews when he was accosted um, right. by 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 his agent, and how it was kind of like all this. You know, a lot of people can man, that would never happen to me. I would never let that. And it's like, and even with my own Me Too story, I think I, I wrote a post about one time being felt up by a female celebrity while we taking pictures and how uncomfortable I felt and how most men would be like, yo, I will holler, I will holler. But it was like, but I didn't fight that. And if the roles were reversed, right? you know what I mean? I'd be, I'd be dead meat. And, and so for me, I just think that we really need to have a conversation about men being human beings. Because yeah. I think a lot of times we don't, we don't see men as as full total human beings who go through experiences who have emotions who don't necessarily respond to 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 things the way that we think a man should and 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 men because we don't we're punishing ourselves or we're identifying we're taking on shame or we're saying we're not a man we're not this we're not that because society doesn't embrace us as right. as full human beings and and, and so yeah i i definitely think we need to have a, a whole conversation about um sexual abuse in men right i think so too and i yeah and I, 
that. That's the first one of the first lines in my book is men are human beings first. Because yes. the doctor says it's a boy, you become a male right. of the human being. And these un these over-the-top expectations of what a man should be is placed on you as yeah. soon as you pop out. So yes. I just love this conversation. Let's see. How does a man grieve the loss of his identity in the world? Like people think that grief mm. is just losing yeah. a loved one, but men grieve the loss of uh, a job, a loss of innocence, a loss of relationship, a loss of money, which is tied to their identity. So right. are there a lot of men grieving in this world based on not knowing who they are. Yeah. And also too, it's, it, you know, that's one of the things I teach men is like we men, See, the thing I say this all the time, so women get to be actualized in so many ways other than output, right? So you're a, you're a life coach, Trey, you're a mother, you're a friend, you're a sister, and you get to be actualized in all those things, and all those things are important to you. But we as men, we don't get to have that experience. We're measured in how much money we make, how we can provide, and typically that's it, what we do for a living, typically, right? Um, the thing is, is that our identity is based off the wrong thing. Our right. identity needs to be based off of, you know, not to get, you know, spiritual, but who God says we are, right? And so that, is, oh, oh, yeah. So who God says you are is first and primary, right? But then you have to, you have to build your identity as well. And your identity can be based off of output. It has to be based off of just who you are. Right. And we don't spend enough time getting to know who we are as men. Our foundation is typically about how many women we smashed, how much money we made, you know, all these other things, rather than I'm a good dude. I love, I love, you know, I have a great personality. I, you know, I'm a great friend. Like all those things, um, understanding who we are, we don't spend enough time knowing who we are. Right. Because we get so caught up in the culture and the society at large and telling us who we're supposed to be as opposed to us telling us who we are. Wow. We don't even honor ourselves as human beings. Ooh. And that's the thing, part of my journey, I had to honor myself as a human being. Right. I love that. Listen, do you think trauma not dealt with leads to a lifetime of silent grief? Absolutely. So one of the things, Chris Burge is an incredible Bible study teacher. And he just had this statement. I put it in my book. He says, men scream at a frequency that only they can hear. Woo! You got the hashtag and tweet that. Yeah, he said, <laughs> men scream at a frequency that only they can hear. And it was so true because I was thinking about that period in which my father died. That's when I started to remember that I was molested. That's when I went through this deep depression and all these memories, all these traumas that I suppressed started to come up and I, and they wouldn't go away. Wow. And so I was screaming, right? And no one could hear it. And so I said, I had this conversation with God. I said, Lord, if you can heal me of this, I will, I will help people to get through this as well. And so I learned to be vulnerable enough to share what was going on and not care what anybody had to say, because it was that pressing on me. I said, I don't, I don't give a damn what you think about me. I'm going to tell you what happened. You know what I mean? Because I needed to get it out because I couldn't take it because I, I would have, I would, because the thing is men implode, then we explode. Right. Right. You know what I mean? People don't get that. Yeah. That yes. It's not coming out. It's a pressure cooker and yes. somebody's going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Exactly. So when men are in relationships and, and, and I never want this to be about love and all that because we have so many yeah. people on platforms talking about what's the problem? Why men don't date? Why am I dealing with this? When, why am I dealing with that? I just want women to hear from men 
that right. when they're dating, there are things that men have not grieved. So it's, it's in your relationship. So I want to just a little bit about for, for women who are with a man right now who are trying to figure all of this out. What would you tell them? Because every man, I believe, and I'm maybe not every, let's say 90%, we'll do some statistics to look it up. I'll go look it up later. Right. 90% of men have not dealt with some form of trauma in their life that, that they're grieving. Yeah. How do we and how can we help them in our homes? Well, I think the biggest thing I think you and I were talking about earlier is understanding that embracing that men are human beings, right? And so I think it begins there in understanding that um, there's a small window of opportunity for a man to be vulnerable. And if that, and if that window is compromised, it will never be opened up again. Whoa. So it's the truth. So allowing a man, giving him space to process and say, listen, whatever it is that you're going through, I literally am here to help you through that. And if he shares that with you and you throw it back up in his face, say in an argument or say when you're you know what I mean when you're angry about something know that he's never going to be vulnerable with you again so understand the fragility of men in that space like we're very fragile in that because it's like we're not taught to deal with that so understanding so as a woman first of all read this book because it helps you understand how men think yeah it helps you understand how we process and how we deal with certain things right um but just giving a man that space to be human and say and and really let go of what you think a man is supposed to be in that regards in terms of like the toxic masculinity a man's supposed to be strong silent all this like that no if he needs to cry let him cry if he needs to talk about it let him talk about it if he needs to just be by himself let him be by himself give him that space and process so i i think about the reason why i'm here and i want everybody to understand that men hurt too is because i have three sons i have a 25 year old a 20 year old and a 10 year old and then I remember growing up with my uncles. I have mm -hmm. uncles, my mother's two brothers, who had, well, my, one, my mother's one brother had multiple women that came to our house. He was a great guy, a great, 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 great guy. Right. Was he was both and. Yeah, <laughs> both, yeah, both and. He was the signifier yeah. signify monkey, all these great stories. He was yeah. in the military, so he came back with these stories. But he had all these women coming in and out of the house. And for us, that became normal because my mother accepted it. But then when I got older and I realized that he lost his mom, they lost their mom at 15. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather was a womanizer of mm -hmm. young women. And God rest his soul, Pop-Pop was and and, and and what is and and both? Both and, both and. And they were all both yeah. and. So I'm starting to understand this now. But the grief that they dealt with went, un nobody helped them. So I think about my father, who my mom had a, a kid on. She had a, a oh. baby with another man and myself who I did the same thing to my husband. I didn't have, I was out of the relationship already, but I cheated on him and moved on to somebody else. And it was very right. traumatic for both of them, my dad and my ex-husband. They didn't deal with the grief, right? Mm -hmm. They still haven't. I don't believe my dad never got married again. And my ex never really moved on to a full relationship. What happens when, you don't deal with that grief. You get stuck in that. You get stuck in that same space. Ooh. They call it. They call it. They call it complicated grief. Um, when you're not grieving, when you're not moving forward with the grief, or you're so. For instance, if you're not dealing with the emotions, you're not showing any emotions whatsoever, or if you're showing too much emotion, or if you're stuck and you haven't moved in the in the Kubler Ross model of grieving, so to speak, they call it complicated grief. And 
And so that's difficult. So there's actually a trauma, there is actually therapy for that um, to help you to move through that or help you to get to a space of where you can function again. Um, so it's, to me, it's kind of like you become like a zombie. You come like a, you become like a shell of yourself because you, because at that point, the grief probably comes bitterness or probably, you know what I mean? It probably turns into bitterness. It probably turns into um, you just not being who you are anymore. Wow. This, Losing yourself. Yeah. Right. Because I felt some kind of way for years about my dad, who's mm-hmm. in California. And then I, when I realized, you know, we do the work. Right. And I had to do the work before I became a coach. And right. I realized what he dealt with with my mom was in uh, the death of a marriage. Yes. Death of a relationship. And it's a death of you in a way. Right. It's, it's a death of you in a way. So it's like, I, I, you know, I tell young men this, I said, the process either forms you or it harms you, Ooh. depending upon how you respond to it or react to it. And so, though it was something that wasn't pleasant for your father or pleasant for your ex-husband, they still have a choice in, in choosing life, right? You can choose life or you can choose to remain where you are. Right. And, 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 and but also, too, they may not have known that that's an option for them. You know what I mean? Why why do you think that a black man wouldn't know that there's an option for help for him to grieve? Um, I just think it's just the way that we're brought up. I just think it's the world that we live in. I just, you know, that you don't see that talked about. There's no uh male TV show like The View. There's no male show like The Real where we talk about our emotions and things like that. So it's like it's not modeled. You know, people think to the level of their exposure. And so if you're not exposed to that type of thing, you typically don't know that that exists. Well, I always talk about this when I'm, cause I always want to help men. Like I really, right. I want them to just show up for the help. Right. What is, what can we do? Because we're here for solutions because black right. men too. What right. can we do to get the men to show up? Cause you know, we have all these women's empowerment conferences, but my thing is I'm about to launch both books again for simultaneous healing. Right. We'll talk on the back end because I want to partner right. with people, but how do we get the men to simultaneously heal if they're not willing to accept the help? Too good. Well, I just think it's the way it's it's the way it's disseminated, right? So one of the things I think the reason why I'm so successful when people ask me like how are you so successful in working with men is that I'm very vulnerable about my life experience. Right. Um, you know, even though some men, a lot of men cannot relate to what I've been through. I think they respect the fact that I you know this brother is putting himself out there because I never want to, I never want to paint myself as that I have arrived and I'm not on the journey with you. No, we're on the journey together. Right. And, and, and so for me, I think it's really about how it, how it's disseminated, how it's, how it's couched for them to, to receive it. Because I don't, I know for me, it's like when I see certain things, I'm like, I'm not going to that because it feels so impersonal. It feels like, you know, you're listening to people who, don't necessarily know how to, who have gone through the process themselves or have done the work themselves. I think men, you know, like we're smart. Right. You know, men, men, people are able to discern what is authentic and what is not. And I think a lot of times, you know, we want to hear from, you know, I'm not thuggish at all. Right. But for some reason, I can't connect with a lot of men. You know what I mean? Like just in general. So it's like, I just think that it's all about how is, how it, how it's designed and, how the, the, the wording, the language um, for, for them, it's, it, I, I don't know. It's one of those things. It's just kind of like, you got to just throw and see what sticks. Okay. You right. know what I mean? We always because something, 
Like, my thing is, how can we help? How can I help? This, a lot of people don't want to help because they just like you can help, you you help you help by doing by having the heart that you have for men. You help by making yourself available, and it's like men know. Like how you told me, you said men are very honest and, and vulnerable around you. So you you are a safe space. Just continue to be a safe space. I just want people to, you know, women be a safe space. Okay. That's just good. be so a safe what, space. What is one of the most important points in your book that you would like women to know? Because this right here, men hurt too. This is for men. And I know men are going to listen and say, thank you, this brother. Because the last two guests were awesome. And they shared like yeah, so Yeah, I saw you had Barry on. I, that's my boy. Yeah, Barry I was just... Yeah. Some of the stuff they said, I was just like, wow, like, you know, come in, let me give you a hug because yeah. you dealt with some trauma and that's your story. What is yeah. the one thing you want women to understand from your book about yeah. the men in their lives? So this is something I always share with women and it's, it is so crazy. So on average, women speak 30,000 words a day, right? On average, men on average speak 10,000 words a day. And so you know this as a coach, Trey, that your healing is in your words. So yeah. understanding that men have limited words, thus we have limited healing. So if we can create a space where a man can talk more, then we can get to a space of healing with, within that man. And so understanding, you know, women, y'all speak 30,000 words a day. There's a, there's a 20,000 word gap in communication. Right. So the point is, is trying to in, Finding, finding a way to get a man to share more, trying to get him to use. So for me, I try to teach men how to use descriptive language, how to use sensory language when they're talking so that women can understand where they're coming from. You know what I mean? So my, mm -hmm. my goal is to teach men how to use more words. And so if you as a woman can find a way to get your husband to use more words, maybe ask him like, are you feeling like this? Are you feeling like that? And getting him to expound on it more, that will help in communication. Oh, I love that. Yeah. One more question because it's 930. Yeah. <laughs> it went by so fast. Yeah. It really always does. Like, let's, we, yeah. we're, okay, you just tuned in. You're tuned in to Coffee with Tea. This is our series, Men Hurt Too, for the month of March. And we're here with life coach Purvis Taylor, who is an amazing life coach. And if you need help as a man, please, he can get you from where you are to where you want to be. And it's not a fast process because no. grief, depression and healing is a process so again i just want you to share the stages of grief and okay to just give men just one tidbit or a one nugget that they can take with them right now um so this kubler ross model of grief the first stage is denial you know where you're like that ain't happened that ain't happened this, this is not real then the next one is anger where you're like angry at the person and then it's bargaining, which is like, what if I would have done this? What if I would have done that, right? And then it's the depression where you just, where it just kind of hits you that everything is happening and you're, you know, you're going through that whole process. And the last part is acceptance, where you accept the situation and you, you know, and understanding that acceptance doesn't mean that you condone what happened, right. but it means that it, you acknowledge that it did happen. So that's the state, that's the stages of grief. Um, Oh my gosh, one nugget I believe from uh leave from men. Um so many things run through my mind. I will say this you are entitled to honor your humanity. You owe it to yourself to honor your humanity. And what I mean by that is if you are hurting, if you are screaming inside, if you are 
dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with so much, if you're dealing with grief and all the gamut of things that we deal with as human beings, you have the right to be whole. You have the right and wholeness is possible for you, but you have to begin the process. You have to stick to the process. You have to be tough in that. You yes. got to engage in your grit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to be gritty with it. And, and, and so that's the thing. So the thing is with, with us as black people, we have a lot of grit. So we're able to endure a lot of things and work through things, but then we want to get to a space of agency where we can, we can advocate for ourselves. So for a man to advocate for himself is a place that we ultimately want to get men to. For, we want to advocate for our mental health. We want to advocate for how we feel. So I want you to know as men that you, wholeness is possible. Yes. Wholeness is possible for you, but you have to engage in the process. I love, thank you so much, Purvis. Listen, we got to do this again because I still yes. have 52 questions <laughs> on my sheet that I need. I told you this was going to be therapeutic for me as well as those who yes. are listening because I'm, I, like I said, I deal with a lot of men. I have three sons. Most of the time I have male energy around me and I just right. feel safe and be able to understand that. I get it. I, yeah. I'm not mad at you because of what some one man did. And a lot of us right. that as black women, we're so angry at the three relationships that we had, which for us is like, I've had three failed relationships with a black man. Three relationships is not a lot. Like there's right. men and the black men in the world who are good men. You right. happen to come across three men. So I want women to let go of that and understand that yeah. first of all, men hurt too. They need healing. Second yeah. of all, they're, don't base your experience on or your life three experiences you had with three men um right. please tell us where we can find you and how to get your book and all that um, good stuff all that good stuff so the book is survival mode uh, you can get it off survivalmode.com um you can follow me on instagram at purvis taylor p-e-r-v-i-s-t-a-y-l-o-r and purvis taylor on facebook and i just want to tell you trey thank you so much for creating this space for men i think that's part of the healing, because I always tell women, as I said, women's issues are men's issues and men's issues are women's issues. Yes. That's how we heal. That's it. Simultaneous healing. Because if Simultaneous. all of these women out there healing and none right. of the men are healing, that's why we're running into the same problem. Because exactly. you're healing, running into a man who hasn't dealt with his grief and his trauma and he's depressed and you're yeah. feeling like he's doing something to you, which right. he's not. He just right. not has dealt Itself, so he's not whole. So again, you're coming to a place again as a woman of healing from an experience that you're having with a man who just hasn't had the help that he needs. Because again, exactly, men hurt too. Thank you guys exactly. for coming into Coffee with Tea. This is the Men Hurt Two series. We'll be back here. I'll be back here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for Coffee with Tea, my regular show. I have to thank and honor my guest, Dr. Purvis Taylor. <laughs> I love you so much because you. I love you too. Please follow him. I'm simply, please, please, please follow him. Wait, there's one more thing I just got to say. Yes. There was a thing you put on Facebook you shared about one of your students who said he went through molestation and he was trying to scrub yeah. his skin off. I thought that was so deep. I have, they have to stay for like two more seconds. So you can yeah, two more seconds for this. Um, so yeah, he was sharing with us that he was molested like for years by a man. And he said, he was, he was sharing with us, he was like, Purvis, I take 45 minute showers still to this day where I'm like, I feel like I'm scrubbing, 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 scrubbing. And I said to him, I said, you gotta stop identifying with the molestation. That's something that happened to you, that's not who you are. And he started crying. And the next week, 
um, we were talking about grief. Obviously, in that session, we were talking about grief and how you have to grieve that process and get to a place of acceptance. And he said, Purvis, he said, for a week, a consistent week, I've been showering for 15 minutes. And he said, the first time in my life, I looked in the mirror and I didn't look at myself with disgust. I said, yes, because you, I said, you are not what happened to you. You are who you decide you want to be, who God says you are. And, and so that was very powerful for me because I think so many of us, women and men in general, we identify with the trauma of our lives. We take it on as an identity. And that's one of the biggest mistakes we can ever, we can ever make. Um, that's something that happened to us, but it's not who we are. I just had to share that because that's yeah. what it's all about. That's about, that was about the process and coming yeah. out healed. Not, he's not healed, but yeah. he is healing. Because he's in the process. Yes, it went from 45 minutes to 15 minutes. And I just want people to see that there are results yes. when you actually get the help. There's a when you, and also when you apply, when you apply. Right. You, he actually stopped scrubbing his skin for 45 minutes and in the shower for 15. That is just powerful. And I want men to know that there is healing and wholeness for you. All you have to do is ask for the help in private. We're not trying to make you go to a big old conference. We just right. to reach out to at Purvis Taylor and you can be anonymous. Nobody's trying to yeah. out you. Nobody's trying to yeah. make you feel small, insignificant, right. weak, or any of those things. We just want you to be whole. So again, Purvis, yes. thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you guys for tuning in to Coffee with Tea. Remember what I tell you at the end of all my broadcasts, you deserve the best. Yes, I'm talking to you. You deserve the best. Now go get it. Peace and blessings. And remember Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm yeah. 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I'll see you guys tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for Coffee with Tea. And that's me. Peace.